Welcome to Historical Drama with the Boston Sisters. I'm Michonne Boston. And I'm Tequina Boston. We're your hosts and real-life sisters who geek out on historical drama. We'll talk about films, fictional adaptations, and dramatic series as windows to the past and mirrors of the present. So fill your teacup or mug with your favorite sip as we explore what's fact, what's fiction, and the so what on historical drama with the Boston Sisters. I'm Michonne Boston. And I'm Tequina Boston. In this episode of Historical Drama with the Boston Sisters, we revisit the 1964 Walt Disney movie classic, Mary Poppins, based on the 1934 book by Australian-British author Pamela Lyndon Travers, or P.L. Travers. The film is directed by Robert Stevenson with music and lyrics by Richard M. Sherman and his brother, Robert P. Sherman. Julie Andrews plays the spirited nanny, Mary Poppins, who literally flies into the lives of the Banks family and their two children, Jane and Michael. With the help of a chimney sweep named Bert, played by Dick Van Dyke, chores are a game and everyday life is a magical adventure to reconnect the Banks children with their parents. Joining us in this conversation is Pete Cohen, who is in the UK right now, Pete is a coach, speaker, and best-selling author of over 19 books. Pete's the host of My 365 podcast, where he inspires others to live life by design. As a motivational speaker and business coach who specializes in human behavior, Pete has worked with over 200 of the largest companies in the world, and coached and worked with world-class athletes and teams to become peak performers. Now, Tequina and I met Pete via the social app Clubhouse, where he's hosted rooms on living by design, entrepreneurship, leadership, habits of happiness, resilience, and wellness. So, Michonne, tell our audience why we are talking with Pete about Mary Poppins. Okay, there's a backstory to this. Pete, Mary Poppins, I believe, was the first feature film I ever saw in my entire life in the movie theater. But I was very, very young at the time. And what I remember from that experience was not liking the film. And um, I think the music stuck with me, but something yeah. about the story didn't. And so I would never watch it or rewatch it again all through my childhood and adult life until until I heard you on Clubhouse say that Mary Poppins was one of your favorite films and that there was something to it that was that made something click in my head. It resonated. And so I went back. I went to the library. I got the DVD. So we're fast forward now to today and rewatched it. And to be honest, with all that's been going on, I actually kind of liked it. You know, I, I was having a good time. So... And of course, my first question is, why is Mary Poppins your favorite film or one of your favorite films? Well, first off, thank you for the opportunity to, to talk about, you know, something like this that some people would think, what's the significance of Mary Poppins? And I never knew the significance. For me, it was just, a, you know, as a child, it was a you know, silly little film with supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. 
you know, just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine don't go down. I don't really know if it really does help the medicine go down, but, you know, I didn't appreciate the film at the time, uh, but uh, maybe five, six years ago, I really got caught up in the work of Joseph Campbell, uh, who really is well known for the whole kind of, the, the hero with a thousand faces, the whole kind of thing of his study of however many years of looking at stories and mythology and every story pretty much having the same kind of framework. Someone is called to an adventure and they don't want to go. They get a coach, they get a mentor. You know, it's every film, whether it's Rocky, whether it's, you know, Harry Potter, whatever. The, it's We see it. And I remember seeing Star Wars in 1977. That had a much bigger impact on me than Mary Poppins at the time. What's interesting about Star Wars is that um, the author of the the book was mentored. The author of the of the film, uh, I can't remember his name, was um, mentored by Joseph Campbell. I'm sure George Lucas. There you go, George Lucas. You know, behind every great person, there's another great person. You know, but the thing about Mary Poppins is, I decided to write a book about leadership and taking the leader's journey to becoming an inspirational leader and looking at the the journey of uh, the hero's journey. And I couldn't think of, a, a, we decided with every chapter of the book to take um, a film that we thought really suited the chapter. And Mary Poppins was it because Mary Poppins was a disruptor. You know, she came into a world where basically, I think the Mrs. Banks, you know, who was a, a, a great woman, um, she wasn't happy. She knew she wasn't happy, and she knew her children weren't happy. Um, but the father was living. Mr. Banks was, I would say, was living in like a lot of people, um, ignorant to to how what's really going on. You know, how are his children really feeling? The stiff upper class of the British. Pull your socks up and be a good human being. Victorians very stern. Very. This is how we do it. And of course, Mary Poppins comes in, and she just literally disrupts everything. And that's where we know that change really happens. Change, in order to change to happen in most cases, we need disruption. And I just love the fact that this woman makes them realize what's really important and she brings them all together. And of course, the greatest change was in Mr. Banks, who was probably the person who needed to change. You know, he, I love that part of the film where he goes into the, to see the bank manager at the end and, I think he leaves and the guy dies. The, um, the, the old man of the bank dies of a heart attack, but he dies of laughing. I'm, I'm crying now just thinking about it, you know, to be the change that the world needs. We often need someone to come in and disrupt so we look at the world differently. So in a nutshell, I suppose that's why I love, um, you know, the film so much. So let's explore the, the role of the disruptor. I mean, even beyond Mary Poppins. What does a disruptor do? I mean, when we use it in drama or when it's used in drama, disruptor is traditionally an antagonist or a villain or sometimes the anti-hero. What, is, what do you see as the role as, of the disruptor? Uh, I think in, in, it can be different, but I th what I like the disruptor to do is to force the person to look within, mm -hmm. to, to look within and see what they have, to see why is this disruption causing... So what, what is the reaction it's causing in, in, in our hero, I suppose? Um, but I think nothing changes without disruption. And if you didn't have those roles, those characters in films, 
no one would watch. You know, I'm just trying to think out loud here. You know, if you think of, for example, Lord of the Rings, when uh, they are, they go to the edge of a field, Frodo and um, Sam Ganji, and Sam goes, we've never been past this point before. If they said, yeah, you're right, let's go home. No one would have watched the film. So I suppose the disruption is, is going to a place that you've not gone before. It's someone who comes into your life, who challenges you. He says, this isn't normal. This isn't right. But I don't know about both of you. I, I like disruption, you know, I, because I think it, that's, how it, it's, that's how things tend to change in, in the world. Right now, I mean, look what's going on in the world right now. I mean, how much disruption? Will things get better as 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 a as a, as, as as what's going on? Well, I would hope so. Who knows? I wonder what you think about that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you say that, Pete, because I do see this as a time of disruption where a lot of what needs to change is being revealed, and I also wondered. Uh, in your role as a coach, because you mentored, you mentioned mentors. There's often those characters. I even think about a film like The Wizard of Oz, where Glenda just sends Dorothy on that journey. She never tells her what she really can do just to get back home. She allows her to go through an experience and those things are revealed. So as a coach, how do you bring that disruptor into the role that you play in helping people to design their their lives? You know, that's such a great question because I like to ask questions that disrupt people's thinking. And actually, when, when I just said that, I was just thinking how I had a coach for 16 years um, and he, he used to say to me, how do you feel? about where you are right now. And he always used to ask me that question and it was like, oh, because you have to, in fact, the man who started Alcoholics Anonymous, um, the co-founder, he said, the most important thing in life is always to start off with the truth. And I think the truth for me is how I am with myself. And what happens in, I think in many films is the truth is un un unraveled of who the person is being. And that isn't enough in many cases in order for the hero to win his, he must become something different. He must transcend himself. And that's what I want to do as a coach. I'm, I'm obsessed with giving people a different perspective of something so that they can then look at something and go, I've never thought of it like that. And that's, that's what films can do. Those are the sorts of films I like. We thought, oh, no. But often with films, even especially with children's films, there's often something which maybe you don't see because you're young, you're innocent. But when you see the film later on, you think, oh, that was so clever. And it was based on, as, as, as the Mary Poppins, you know, is based on the story of, of uh, P.L. Travers and her, was it her great aunt, I think, um, who came into her life and, it's a fascinating story, isn't it? There's another film that's come out of it, which is, I think it's called Saving Mr. Banks, which I've not seen yet. Have you seen right. it? You I've seen, seen it. I've seen it. Because my, really, my wife wants to see it. Oh, definitely. I definitely recommend it. It doesn't get the whole story, but it gets a very good chunk of it because uh, Walt Disney was a very persuasive man. 
and he had he was after this property, this book, to adapt it for a film for many years. It didn't just start in the 1950s. One of his daughters or his daughter was reading the book and she loved it. And I think that was around 1944, but um, don't quote me on that. But it was many years before he finally got rights to the book. And then you'll see the whole back and forth in that movie that she, P.L. Travers, played by Emma Thompson, yeah, I, I really liked actually, which is great because she she reminds me of Mary Poppins. She reminds me of Julie Andrews actually. But in terms of, I wanted to I wanted to ask you guys a couple of questions. You know, what is it about Mary Poppins that when you went back and watched it, uh, Michonne, that resonated with you? Well, first of all, I, let me just put a footnote on there because when I was watching it, um, remember the uh, Navy Admiral Boom Boom. Is he an admiral or captain? He's the man who fires the cannon on the hour. Oh, yeah, on the roof. Yeah. On the roof. And there was a scene in which he saw the chimney sweeps dancing, which is a fabulous scene, fabulous choreography. I don't know what it is about rooftops, but it's just they're just made for dancing on top of. But he says, he yells out, oh, my, you know, hot and tots, which is a, a word for Africans who are dancing. And then he fires his cannon. And I have to say that part disturbed me, but not to the point where I could not take away the enjoyment of the dance of the chimney sweeps. And what I do resonate with Mary Poppins is how she transcended class. She could cross over. And in fact, many of her associates were merchant class or working class people. And she could go back and forth. And she didn't allow the Banks family, were they, what were they, upper middle class? Upper middle class, say? yeah. Upper middle class, intimidate her. She was definitely yeah. in control of her comings and goings. She said, this is what I want. This is what I expect. And at the same time, she just found that magic in life. So. After seeing it now, at this point in my life, I see, I do see some bits of myself or some kind of affinity with that Mary Poppins spirit, that, that freedom, that sense of freedom. In fact, some people even call her kind of like a feminist um, before the word emerged, you know. So that that's sort of what my takeaway from the film. Yeah, and when I look at the film again, um what I see is both Mary and Bert help Mr. Banks think differently about his relationship to his children, but Bert also helps the children see how hard it is to be Mr. Banks and um, yeah. how it's not easy working in a place like a bank and we see also a little bit of a, a dig at uh, a society where money is more important than people and where the idea that you would uh, associate with a woman who sits on the steps in her ragged clothes yeah. and sell little bags of, of you know, birdseed or whatever, um, something about where do we really find our humanity versus 
uh, being put in the boxes that society tells us, this is your role and stay there and don't come out of it. I, I just think that's beautiful. You know, having a conversation about this just makes me appreciate, again, there's nothing better in life than looking at something from someone else's point of view. Because then you, your, your experience is richer because of it. And I loved what you said there about the children learn to appreciate Mr. Banks and what he's doing because you know, it, got, it can't be easy to have to be that person where you're not happy, really. You're just kind of doing what you think you should do. And then you find out what your true, what makes you really happy. It's, it's, a, be it's a, beautiful, a beautiful thing. And, and Michonne, when you were talking about Mary Poppins, she, I would liken her to a, 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 an, an authentic chameleon, someone who changes her, her color to the situation that she's in and she's always herself. You know, she doesn't care who you are. And I think that's such a great quality as well. It's like, who, who's more important than anyone? Nobody, right? You just adapt to the circumstances that you're in. Um, yeah, and also play. There's a massive element of play in that film, isn't there, about the importance of, of play. Spit, is it, what you say? Spit spot, um, which apparently is what um, Mary Pop, uh, not Mary Poppins, uh, P.L. Travers, great aunt actually used to say um and i don't know I, I saw the sequel which i which i really liked as well which for me the sequel really kind of the message about that is that things tend to repeat themselves there's still something else to learn because you know the the, the son had become like the father you know and he needed uh, he needed a wake-up call he needed uh, a, a disruptor he needed disruption you know uh so i think bring on disruption right yeah, and, and also the makers of, the, of Mary Poppins Returns try to tie some loose ends with the book. Um, I think the son, Michael, is a bank teller, which is what Mr. Banks was in the original book, Yeah, I believe. And also bringing, pulling that thread of activism between Mrs. Banks and now Jane is working in the labor movement. So there's this spirit of activism that maybe her mother inspired. Uh, what, what, what do you think that P.L. Travers would have thought of Mary Poppins' returns? Well, P.L. Travers became a very rich woman till the end of her life. Whether she liked to marry the original or not, she got a check in the mail for the rest of her life until she died at age 95. You know, authors, I notice authors who've had book adaptations, there's always something, there's always something or more than something that they are unhappy about in the interpretation and adaptation. It takes years and years for them to say, you know, maybe that wasn't such a bad thing because this film opened the door for people to go back to the book and want to learn more, which is what re-watching Mary Poppins did to me. I went to the film, I went back to the original book, I got a biography about P.L. Travers, and I started looking up Mary Poppins quotes. I talked to a friend about it, and somewhat totally out of the blue, she said, oh, that is my favorite film, I have Mary Poppins dolls. Yeah had no idea that was <laughs> that was coming from that conversation 
And I think one thing we do know is that P.L. Travers did not like the chimney sweeps choreography, the rooftop dance. So she might have been even more resistant to seeing what happened with the sequel. I mean, who knows? But um, I think, sorry, yeah. go on, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, uh, it's not just authors sometimes who have a tension between how a story gets translated to the screen. Readers also react very negatively sometimes because they have an image in their heads of what this story looks like. And if the screen doesn't match it, then you, and now it's social media, you hear about it immediately. Yeah, I um, I didn't learn to read until I was quite, about 13 so I was diagnosed with um, dyslexia and I um, I listened to Lord of the Rings it was on radio BBC Radio 4 and my father recorded it on cassettes and I listened and actually some of the actors um, are in the actual film years later the, the person who plays Frodo plays Bilbo the actor in in the films and then when I saw the films I was like wow this is just how I imagined it I, I literally, that, it was so close to what I imagined. But then with Harry Potter, it wasn't the same. It was like, hang on, my imagination is better than, than, than your film. And you <laughs> can imagine that if you, if, you, if, you, if you wrote the story and it's personal to you and then someone makes it and changes it, it's like, that's not what I saw. So, but I, I would imagine that also happens to people that read the book and think the book is better than the film because you've changed it. You know, it's not what it was. Um, but sometimes, you know, there's nothing better than taking something and then making it better. You think about that film, Mary Poppins, how much joy and happiness that must have brought to, you know, millions of people around the world. But such a simple story. I just wish that people would take stories like that and really think, what's the story that I could apply to my life as opposed to seeing things like that as separate to my life? That That's the thing I... I, I wish for people is to take something from the film and not just be in, in was entertained. I mean, entertainment is nice, but you, cause I'm sure that most of the people who made, who wrote the stories, they didn't write them necessarily to make money. They made the story to touch the hearts of people to, to do something with that, put a bit of magic in their life, you know? Yeah. And I was thinking too, um, Shakespeare took stories from other people and adapted them for yeah. his plays. So this thing of adapting, I mean, did the Italians get upset with what he did with Othello, where Othello actually kills Desdemona by beating her with a sand-filled bag or something? That would not have been very dramatic on stage, right? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. felt a little brutal. Yeah. But adaptation, as you were saying earlier, even about life, is part of life. Um, that yeah. and and that's what Mary Poppins she she held on to her authentic self and yet at the same time she could flex to do what the situation required which is what I think mm. leaders are required to do wow. today. Wow, that's such a that's such a massive thing, isn't it? Adapting to the situation. Yeah, I mean, there's so much in the film. You know, it, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch. Um, uh, saving Mr. Banks first off because I know my wife really wants to see that film. And I like Tom Hanks as well. And I, he plays yes. Mr. Banks and Walt Disney obviously was a, a real disruptor as well, you know, bringing yeah. children's, I wonder where he got all of his ideas from, probably from other people. <laughs> Who knows? It doesn't matter. Does it? I mean, 
Well, actually, Tom Hanks plays Walt Disney. Yeah. And to be honest, I saw Tom Hanks in person on the Disney lot once. I was um, I was there visiting. This was many, many years ago. And a friend of mine who was working there said, let's go to the canteen. You know, everybody's in the canteen. So you go there and who should be sitting there having a meeting but Tom Hanks. This was very early in his career. Wow. Yeah, one of my favorite films is uh, is Castaway. You know, just just uh, you know how someone deals with that scenario and making friends with a volleyball. Uh, yeah, it's a great film. I love films. I just think that, but it always reminds me how life is a film. This is a film. You know, our our stories have come together now. You know, Sean, you and I have known each other for a while, but it's like, well, now what happens? This relationship. It, it goes, it goes somewhere. Other people will listen to this. I'll tell people about this. And then people that follow me will follow you. And it's like, it's the magic of, of connection. It's the magic of this technology. As a friend of mine says, this is the good news. Yeah. That we have this technology to connect with one another. Uh, our mom, I told her how we talked to you and others in the UK on Clubhouse. And she's like, oh, I mean, it's like, she finds it amazing, you know. Well, I'd love to, I mean, maybe you can be on my podcast because I would love to know your stories. You know, like, oh, absolutely. like, like your mom, you know, like your mom's story. I mean, that must, I cannot imagine that that was straightforward, you know, that it, you just know, you know, just like our ancestry, it, it's, it, you know, what did it take to get here and what is the life that we have been given and what can we do with this life? Um, and uh, yeah, I would love to. I would love to know your stories. Well, let's definitely set a date for that. I think we have a couple more questions, but you kind of answered them as we just went along. But I think Taquina has one. <laughs> yeah, um, some time ago when I read, I think it was The Artist Way. And I think Joseph Campbell, whom you mentioned, said something similar that what you admire in other people actually might be a quality that's in you. So since we're talking about Mary Poppins and maybe even the Banks, you know, maybe other characters as well, what, um, how are you like Mary Poppins? How do you show up in the world the way she does? Or, you know, maybe there are other parts, other characters as well that you saw yourself in. Well, first off, Takrina, you're amazing. I mean, there's something about you. I don't know what it is, but you're so like spot on with with so many beautiful things that you've said. And I really enjoy this interaction with you. Um, it was Joseph. Joseph Campbell definitely said that. <clears throat> I heard Dr. John uh, Demartini, who's quite well known in the personal development space. I heard him say that. And I had a massive epiphany around that because there's a lot of people who I admire. And I was thinking to myself, I only admire them because there's, there's something in them that is in me. Otherwise, why would I admire them? You know, really, why would I admire them in the way that I do? Where there's this like, wow, because I've worked with lots of athletes, you know, Olympic champions, and I look at them and, but they look at me in the same way that I look at them just because I haven't won an Olympic gold medal. Um, but in terms of Mary Poppins, what do I see in her? I'm a disruptor. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I like to, I don't want to upset people. I don't want to kind of ruffle people's feathers, but I do want to kind of upset things so that people just go, 
I never thought of it like that. And um, I had a coach for 16 years. He was originally from the Philippines. He lived in Dallas. He helped me with so many things in life. And he once said to me, he said, Pete, you know, everyone wants to be right and no one wants to be wrong. And he said, when you're looking at someone, just remember your right is their left. And if you, if you want to be right, then look at the world through someone else's eyes and, and know that where that person is standing, there's the front, there's the back, there's left, there's right, there's up, there's down, and there's you. That's seven ways. And, you're, and you, seven, how many ways could you look at something to appreciate it? And that's what the beauty of this podcast will be, that people will listen to it, and they will have the opportunity to look at Mary Poppins with a fresh pair of eyes. They might also have some insights that we haven't even thought of. And that's the beauty, I think, of learning, introspection, curiosity. But what I see in Mary Poppins is, is love. She was obviously a very loving the character, very loving, very kind, wanting to, to do the right thing by people, uh, very, in, in, um, uh, very playful, you know, uh, very mischievous, uh, and a very good, she would adapt. I'm, I'm like that. I can talk. I love talking to her. I don't care who, where someone's from. So there's so much in her that I see in myself. And that's probably why I like the film so much. But I never thought of it until you just asked me that question. Yeah. Yeah. I'll add, I don't look into mirrors that often as Mary Poppins did. Yeah, I know. Cause she looks in the mirror and the mirror talks back to her, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah the response. Yeah. 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 Fascinating. So, and as you were talking about how your coach was saying, look up, look down, left, right, front, back. Actually, scenes from the movie were coming to me. I was feeling like I was looking down on the rooftops, up at the clock, uh, looking at the woman on the steps who fed the birds, uh, thinking about how the kids uh, went into the um, that other animated world, I think through the bathtub yeah. and, and the movie operates like that. It just takes you from a lot of different angles in order to move the story about disruption and how disruption brings new life into yes. this family. Yeah. Oh, I just want to say they enter in the 64 version, they enter the animated world through one of Bert's chalk drawings in the park. And in Mary Poppins Returns, they go down the drain. Drain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and on the pottery, on the um, Royal, is it Royal Do Dalton? Royal Dalton, Dalton pottery? Dalton. Yeah. yeah. Some piece of pottery. That was belonged to their mother. I mean, when Mary Poppins Returns, it opens at Michael's wife the mother is deceased so the house is sort of in mourning as well in yeah. addition to some financial issues yeah well that's fascinating i know we could as i said there is a lot to i did not realize how much there was to unpack around mary poppins but i know no pete that you said you love history and we do have what we call our lightning round where we sort of throw these questions at you. It's inspired by the Actors Studio. I don't know if you saw that program when it was on. Yeah, years ago. It was like, um, what's his name was interviewing actors, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I've seen all, I, I, yeah, absolutely. People like um, Richard Burton. I remember watching Richard Burton and uh, Olivier and um, yeah, no, no, feel free. I Listen, I love, yeah. I always wanted to be an actor, so. <laughs> 
We're not going to ask you what your favorite swear word is, but no, no, no. <laughs> but let's let's start with if you could travel back in time, where would you take yourself and why? Um, oh, probably a 1970s San Francisco. Um, I don't know about that, but I just love Hayton Ashbury. I love. I just loved America at that time. I just think it was. I'd like to think it was very colorful and up and coming and possibilities. Um, so probably yeah, seventies uh, San Francisco. Great. If you could be a character in a period adaptation, who would you be? Period adaptation. So like what? For example, just give me give me an example of a period oh, adaptation. Oh, it could be it could be Mary Poppins. It could be any. Um, film that was based on a historic novel or historic person an actual person i mean the first one that comes to mind is i don't know why willie winnie the pooh you know <laughs> or paddington bear but paddington is paddington would be good i mean but then i'm thinking of the films as opposed to so i think it would probably be no i know what it would be i definitely of course i know what it would be it would be the lion the witch in the wardrobe be no question about that. c.s lewis what character would i be uh, edmund I think maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Now, which one was Edward? Edmund? It was the Edwin? One, but he eventually came good. I, yeah. They all came good in the end. No, I'd be Aslan. I'd be Aslan. <laughs> the, the lion. Yeah. That'd be Aslan. Yeah. Or I'd be, no, I don't. I, that, that, I would definitely be Aslan in the lion, the witch in the wardrobe. What three items would you include in a time capsule? that represents the times that you've lived through? A tape, as in a tape recorder. Uh, as you know, like, a, yeah, a tape. There'd all be music. It would be a record, you know? Um, and a, probably a Sony Walkman. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably, I love music. I love sound. I love listening. So it'd probably be those things. They're all related to, to, to sound and music. Yeah. Do you still have your Sony Walkman? No, I have I have a tape recorder and I have some old tapes. Um, but yeah, it would be it would be a, a tapes Walkman and maybe records, but I wouldn't have anything to play on the. I used to love albums, you know, just the, yes. picking them out and putting them in the needle and and that sound it was just awesome. They're kind of making a comeback, and actually, I see people getting record players again. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. So the last question in our lightning round is, and because this is about historical drama writ large, so we're into uh, fiction adapted from the past to the screen. Do you see historical drama as a window to the past or a mirror of the present? Um, I actually think it's, a, it's the opportunity to create a better future. You know, that, that, that's what I think. I think there's this, this amazing opportunity with wisdom, the wisdom that comes from these films and stories. We can apply it to our life today, but I believe that most of these stories were made for, to give hope for the, for the future. And, and I think if we're being honest, the thing that's needed here now more than ever is, is I'm sorry, I think the, thing, the thing that is needed now more than ever is hope. You know, hope is the antidote to fear. Hope is the science of hope means you, you believe your future is better than where you are. So, I, yeah, I think there should be windows to the future. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yes, Especially when we're talking about Mary Poppins. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
The transformer. As, <laughs> yes, yeah, the I, transformer. I actually pulled a quote from Mary Poppins that I wanted to end with, but I think it fits right here. It's everything is possible, even the impossible. Yeah, I mean, there's only two letters that separate the two, and it's just the I am, you know. And um, if you think about it, the only thing that exists in the universe, I think, is possibility. That's where I think stories come from, from people being creative and just thinking, you know, what, what can we do with this? And that's what life to me is. It's the opportunity to do something. What we choose to do with it really is where that's where the interesting thing starts. You could choose, I think you can choose maybe, well, some people would say the dark side, the light side, the positive, the negative, the growth, the, the death. Uh, I just choose to grow and evolve and to get better. That That's my choice. And that's a choice I hopefully more people will make because that's, that's where the magic is, right? That's where the magic is. So, Pete, thank you so much for joining us in this conversation about Mary Poppins on historical drama with the Boston sisters. Before you go, how can our podcast audience connect with you? Well, obviously, they can listen to my podcast, which is just called MI365. Or, you know, I have, that's probably the best way, but I have a 30-day program. It's absolutely free. And that's just at mi365.me. And that, that program is about building identity. Like uh, Matthew McGonaghy in his acceptance speech in 2014 was basically talking about his hero, his hero being himself in the future. You know, and that's what Gandhi, I think, was talking about, you know, be the change that you want to see in this world, to identify with who you could actually be in this world. And then putting the, the strategies in place to make that happen, having something to aim for as opposed to drifting, you know? So, yeah, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Historical Drama with the Boston Sisters, a podcast about historical films and series dramas. Visit our webpage at michonbostongroup.com backslash Boston Sisters. Tell us what historical dramas you're watching. Who knows? We may do a show about it. Sign up for our newsletter, subscribe to the podcast, and share it with the people you know who geek out on historical drama. Historical Drama with the Boston Sisters is brought to you by the Michonne Boston Group. The views and opinions expressed on historical drama with the Boston Sisters are those of the speakers and do not represent the positions or views of the Michonne Boston Group, its clients or affiliates. This is Michonne Boston. And Tequina Boston. Thank you for listening.